Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Michael Trent. Mike will not be with us this week, so we can turn the buzzer meter off. This Red vs. Blue show sponsored by Rockstar Punched Energy Drink. All right, we just got over the uh, the huge Louisville game, uh, one by eight. I think the spread ended up ten or eleven. Louisville uh, definitely pressed in this one. Uh, it was a uh, a game that was never really in doubt, but at the same time, kind of gave you the feeling that Oregon just didn't want to let go. Patino obviously claiming that they were the toughest 12 seed he'd ever seen in the history of the tournament, the kind of mantra that Patino always brings out. But uh, Louisville, the number one seed overall, is getting it done, marching on to the Elite Eight for the fourth time in six years. This Michigan-Kansas game is something to watch because, man, look, Kansas letting one slip away uh, potentially here. So we'll have to see what uh, what happens in this game. And then we've got the uh, the big games tonight, Michigan State and Duke in Indianapolis. And then we've got the Dunk City, Florida Gulf Coast from Fort Myers uh, against Florida. And that would be a matchup that I would love to see because Louisville has Florida's number. Tonight's special guest is Ryan McDowell from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. We're going to get you ready for your Dynasty Draft Prep. This is the Dynasty Draft Prep show for the Dynasty Football World Championship. Over 80 teams are already signed up. About 60 or so remain. We're going to cap this thing at 144 in year one and uh, give this uh, thing a shot. I think people are pretty excited about the format since we've joined up and partnered with Dynasty League Football. So I'm going to bring Ryan in right now. Ryan, big Kentucky fan. Uh, kudos to you guys for your championship last year. You've got the big class coming in next year. Uh, what's going on, my man? Oh, not much. Just uh, just glad to be here. And uh, with with your uh, your partner, Mike, out tonight, I'll I'll try to fill his shoes, and as, as a fellow Wildcat fan. All right, I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way. Ryan, uh, you can follow Ryan on Twitter at uh, RyanMC23. Go ahead and type that into your browser, RyanMC23 on Twitter. And there's not a better site. Uh, there's a couple of sites in the world that just focus on dynasty football, and DLF is 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 one of, if not the perennial leader in the space. Very active message board, always active on Twitter and the chat rooms if you have questions. Uh, Ryan, talk about your role at Dynasty League Football and exactly what you guys have going on. Uh, sure. I uh, I am a senior staff writer over at DLF, and uh, I've been with them for uh, almost a year now. Um, about the time that, that I came aboard, we um, began our subscription service, our premier service, and uh, you know things have really taken off for uh, for DLS since that time. 
we've added a, a ton of great, talented writers, and, and uh, we're just happy to be uh, helping some Dynasty fanatics out there. That's what we wanted to bring to the table. Uh, Dynasty is one of the fastest-growing segments in fantasy football. You know, you got the guys that do IDP. You've got the auction guys. Uh, there, there are several different formats. The Draftmaster format is a growing segment, uh, the best ball-type formats. But the Dynasty segment is something that is keeping things alive throughout the season. And a lot of people didn't think that they would be quite ready for Dynasty because it is a commitment and – uh, not not really more than you would expect. You just actually grow to love it in the offseason more than you normally would. You start to pay attention and reading articles more on rookies because, let's face it, in redrafts, there's only a couple of rookies that are really draftable uh, in, in the redraft formats uh, that you really need to pay attention to early. In Dynasty, that all changes. In Dynasty, rookies are a part of uh, every draft, especially startup drafts. For example, we posted the ADP, the average draft position, over on the message boards. And a guy like Eddie Lacy, Ryan, is being drafted at the 43 spot. According to your ADP on your site, the 43, the first rookie off the board in startup dynasty drafts, puts him right around the world of Jordy Nelson and Justin Blackman. He's booking between those guys. So talk about that because guys are wondering. They've never played dynasty before, and they say, Ryan, you've got a guy like Steven Jackson that could win me money right now. It, it, was, a, it was a post on the boards tonight uh, or today, and he says, I understand about the balance and all, but look, I've got to, I've, I want to win some cash too. And can't Steven Jackson help me win a title now, or why should I draft an Eddie Lacy? Uh, sure, that, and that's a great question. Um, to me, one thing the dynasty really offers is is um, just that versatility. It, lots of options, lots of strategies. Um, personally, I'm I'm one that always has that three year window at least, so. Uh, my rosters are, are usually filled with, with younger players, including some of these, these rookies that will be coming in. Um, but, but that's the general uh, perception is, is that youth is valued, um, you know, is it, it, almost one of, the, one of the most important things in, in Dynasty. And, in fact, you see a guy like uh, David Wilson who's being drafted among the top 12 running backs this year. You know, he, he just had um, – you know, a small role as a rookie last year with the Giants. and um, But because, you know, Bradshaw's gone in New York, David Wilson is 21 years old, I think people look at him and, and see him as, as a, a starter in their lineup for the next seven or eight years. And uh, even though I think that's kind of a long shot, um, you know, with, with that, that young age comes the high dynasty value. Ryan McDowell is our guest from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. We have the Dynasty Football World Championship, a new offering by FF Toolbox and uh, Full-Time Fantasy, uh, the Fantasy Football World Championship. We now have uh, the Dynasty Football World Championship and, of course, Roto Bowl, the mid-stakes level games. Uh, but, Ryan, we have uh, – guys, uh, what, I, what I'd like to do is we have uh, a message board up at DynastyKing.com for those listening at home. And, and we have a draft of running backs from last year, and I thought it would be a good uh, lesson for people to look back and see how guys were drafted last year because let's, let's look at a guy like Steven Jackson last year. He was drafted in the sixth round. Now his position uh, hasn't really – I mean, he was the lead horse in St. Louis's backfield. Yeah, they had drafted a couple rookies, but he was still the lead horse. He's in Atlanta now, probably, you know, obviously a little bit of a better situation, but again – it, it's uh, you've got Quiz Rogers there for catches uh, to take away, and you've got a dynamic passing offense better than St. Louis. So while touchdowns might go up, maybe yards per carry goes up a little bit. You still have the same Stephen Jackson, uh, who's been in the league for a long time, and the the fact that his value won't be what a guy like Eddie Lacy's could be in in the future, because next year, like you just mentioned, a David Wilson, their their value will be skyrocketed the following year, whereas Stephen Jackson's value has nowhere to go but down. Yeah, exactly. Um, like you mentioned, the, the draft we're taking a look at here, um, Jackson was a sixth rounder, and even with the uh, with the move to Atlanta, I think uh, most people see his his value on the rise in dynasty drafts that will will start over the next month, over the next six weeks. I would uh, I would expect Jackson to remain as a sixth rounder, or, or possibly even later than that. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. We are talking about the Dynasty Football World Championship, trying to prepare drafters for what they're going to run into 
when they try out this dynasty format, let's take a look at the first round, Ryan, as we look at this ADP. Uh, very interesting to see Adrian Peterson back on top after, you know, last year, you, you don't really want to say he was left for dead, but after a, an injury like that, he was drafted at the 3-2 pick in Dynasty, and after that record-setting, just phenomenal Superman-type year, he's back at the 1-1, and I, I want to shout out to the chat room real quick, the crew here at Red vs. Blue, some of the best minds in the world of high stakes. Thank you for being part of the show tonight because, look, we, we changed the time on you and uh, did, gave you a lot of short notice, but you're still here for Red vs. Blue. But talk about Adrian Peterson, and, you know, he, he is a guy that has, you know, significant age on him, wear and tear, and this is a, this is a guy that uh, is already back at the top of the draft. It's just kind of hard to believe. Uh, yeah, it's it's very hard for me to believe, honestly. We've done uh, – what we're doing over at DLF is we are doing six dynasty mock drafts per month. Um, so we're just starting April's uh, mock drafts uh, today. Um, so with, with three months of, of data, six drafts each, Peterson has been the uh, number one overall player in both January and then again in March. So his, his value in, in these startup drafts is um, – you know, as really as high as it ever has been, or, or as high as it could be, um, and and it, with all the things you mentioned, that's that's very surprising to me. Uh, but what I'm what I'm seeing is just a great deal of parity to me. There's as many as ten players that you could make a case for taking at that one one spot in the dynasty startup. And one thing I like to do, Ryan, is go to your website, dynastyleaguefootball.com, pull up actually your rankings. It's a very nice interface this year. Because if you do like how a guy kind of looks at things, you know, for example, your rankings, I'll go and pull up your rankings, especially if I'm going to trade against you. <laughs> and and then uh, I'll pull up your rankings and see what you have. And, and you're kind of like me. You know, you have an Adrian Peterson at ranked at number seven. He's 28 years old. You've got a Trent Richardson who arguably may not be as good at, as Adrian Peterson for the next couple of years. Uh, but he's seven years removed from an Adrian Peterson. So you're going to have this guy uh, for seven more years than an Adrian Peterson, and, and while a lot of people like to look at a three-year window, let's face it, you still have that. I, I like to look longer than that, to be honest with you. I've just always done that, and I know our rankings on FF Toolbox uh, are not uh, on a seven-year window. They're on a three-year window because, look, we do want you to pay attention, and when we're talking about high-stakes money leagues, we want you to be able to cash and get a return without having to wait too long. But a guy like Trent Richardson, when he comes out of the gate so strong already, there's no real reason to – pass him up for a better player because you've got a lot, you've got more upside, you've got more potential and you've got so much youth on your side. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, you know, if you're looking at my rank rankings, Richardson, Doug Martin, CJ Spiller are, are my top three, all 25 years old or, or younger. And, but honestly, I feel like those probably the top six, in, including McCoy, Rice and Charles are all in uh, just, just one big tier. And, um, I, I could make the case for any of those guys, again, as, as the top pick or, or at least as a very high pick in a startup draft. Ryan McDowell from DynastyLeagueFootball.com joins us tonight on a uh, special abbreviated show here at Red vs. Blue. Mike Trent is out tonight, and uh, we, we're going to just try to uh, give, give drafters who have never taken Dynasty, uh, given them a chance, or maybe they've signed up for the Dynasty Football World Championship here at FF Toolbox. Uh, they're going to give it a shot this year and, and go for it. And they, they don't want to be uh, taken back with trade offers and, and, and kind of get, uh, what's the word, not abused, but uh, but a little bit taken advantage of because they're new. So talk about some advice that you could give some, some drafters who've played. Uh, they're good redrafters, but when they take that step to dynasty, what should they be looking out for? Because, look, it's one of the best times that you ever have is that draft prep experience when you finally get your draft slot and now you start to see all these offers, trading up, trading down, and you start to look at the ADP and you try to figure out where you want to be. But talk about that experience and what, what they need to be looking for. Uh, sure. Well, uh, again, I think, um, you know, I feel like at DLF we're a great, a great source. We've got um, several draft strategy articles um, that are already already released on the site and uh, several more coming with, with that draft uh, startup season. Um, coming close for us. Uh, as far as uh, uh, advice for a startup, for, for a new dynasty owner, again, you have to pay attention to the age of, of a player. That's not something you focus as much on 
um, in a in a redraft league, but that becomes a huge factor as far as the value of players. Uh, you mentioned trading trading draft picks. Um, personally, I don't like to trade draft picks until the draft has started, kind of get a feel for uh, what other owners are doing. Um, so my personal advice would be to wait until the draft is, has started unless you're making a move for that for that 1-1 one, one pick and you have a plan for that in mind. Yeah, because I think last year you did that very thing. Didn't you grab the 1-1 one, one pick? Was that a Calvin or an A.J. Green or something like that? I did. Uh, in, in our league, uh, Hyperactive 5, which, which I commission, and you're the uh, defending champion of, um, yes, I, I traded up for the 1-1 one, one and uh, grabbed Calvin Johnson there. Yeah, that's an impact player that uh, obviously doesn't have a lot of competition. Let's talk about that. Calvin Johnson, the unanimous number one wide receiver. I guess if you have any competition, there's only a couple of names that come to mind. And maybe we should just talk about the number two wide receiver because I think we can just say consensus-wise, Calvin's still the beast. He's still Megatron. But at number two, you've got names A.J. Green, uh, Julio Jones still in the discussion, in my opinion, and a guy by the name of Dez Bryant who is now predicting – 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. Uh, that is a classic Des Bryant type, Des Bryant cocky type statement. Uh, what do you think about that statement and your pick for number two? Um, well, it's funny you mentioned that. Actually, uh, taking a look at my rankings, I actually have AJ Green number one. So, um, and and I have seen a couple of others. Some some of our uh, friends over at at PFF, Brian Fontaine, and some of those fellows also have Green ranked number one. Um, Looking at some of some of their stats on their site, uh, I believe Green and Calvin actually have the, about the same um, same amount of fantasy points per. Uh, I believe it's per snap or per target. They've got some some great uh, deep deep stats there. Um, but you know that with that in mind, going along with the the three year um, difference in age, I've got I've got AJ Green at number one. Of course, Calvin at number two. Um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be disappointed with either of either of those guys. Um, beyond that, I've got Julio Jones, Demarius Thomas, and, and then uh, the guy you mentioned, Des Bryant, at number five. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not surprised Bryant would make a statement like that. You know, he he always seems to be uh, very very confident in his abilities, and and if he can, uh, you know, stay healthy and stay out of trouble, then I wouldn't be surprised. They they re-upped Romo today, and. And uh, so he'll be there for for a long while, and and uh, Bryant will definitely see plenty of targets. And we still have questions about Miles Austin. Obviously, it looks like they're going to try to do what they can to keep Miles Austin uh, free from injuries and in 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 the fold and, in the Dallas uh, Cowboy Stadium. But let's talk about another guy that you have there in a Demarius Thomas. You have him at number four. The ADP has him at number five. That's a pretty high number for a guy who finally you could call, you know, it was obviously his breakout season last year as a, as a young guy and, and Peyton Manning, uh, obviously being uh, the gunslinger for that team, they bring in Wes Welker. What, what is your indication of what that's going to do to Demarius uh, in his, in his uh, workload? I really don't think it'll affect Thomas too much. Um, obviously, obviously, Welker's going to get his targets, um, but if you look at um, at the targets, the, the way they were spread out last year, um, of course, Decker and Thomas uh, were the leaders there. But but both of the tight ends, Tammy and and um, I'm forgetting his name. The, the their other tight end there, and, and then of course uh, Brandon Stokely. You know, they get, they got a ton of targets as well, and uh, if Welker just gets the majority of those, I think uh, I think all three of those those wide receivers can be relevant in uh, you know in fantasy. Yeah, another guy there is Virgil Green. You got to watch for for uh, Denver. They're talking him up, obviously waiting on him. I know they, they I don't know if, even know if they still have that Julius Thomas. Uh, that's another guy they've been talking up. So we'll, we'll have to see how that shakes out. Tammy was one of those sleeper guys that I know I traded for very aggressively in the offseason last year. Kind of burned me. Uh, so we'll have to see how that works. And that's another Kentucky guy for you right there, right? That's one of your Kentucky. That, that's right. Yeah, he, he was. A, I think everybody looked at the, um, you know, the the Tammy and, and Manning connection as they had, you know, obviously played well together in uh, in Indianapolis and, and kind of counted on that. But, um, 
you know, it didn't didn't really happen that way. He had a little bit of a, a disappointing season, and uh, Dreesen was the the name I was forgetting before. He, uh, you know, he kind of earned the bigger role there over over Tammy. But I, I do think Welker takes uh, takes targets and, and snaps away from those two, uh, along with, um, of course, Stokely's likely gone or probably retiring. The Big Ten, by the way, for all you NCAA kiddos out there, has just pulled up a huge, huge win in overtime. Michigan beats Kansas 87-85. The Big Ten run continues. That's two teams now in the Elite Eight for the Big Ten, two teams for the Big East. I'm sorry, three teams for the Big East. So we have the opportunity for the Big Ten and the Big East to both have six of the final Elite Eight. That's going to be something. They, unfortunately, the Big East has to play each other. Marquette plays Syracuse uh, uh, tomorrow. So uh, Ryan McDowell is our guest from Dynasty League Football. We're trying to get people prepared for the, the startup drafts that occur. And, again, one of the things that I posted over at DynastyKing.com, are, that's basically right now just a link to our FF Toolbox forums, is a startup draft from last year to kind of give you a feel for how the running backs were taken last year. And Let's take a look. Uh, Arian Foster, Trent Richardson, Ray Rice, McCoy. Look, Trent Richardson was taken at 1-3 overall in the active side of things. And the guy passed on McCoy and Ray Rice uh, doing that because they believed that they were getting the next Tomlinson slash Peterson uh, for their anchor at their, at their running back position. And, again, they're drafting young, and they're going for it. And to take Trent Richardson there, uh, look, there's there's – he doesn't really have anywhere else to go but down, but unless you feel like he can ascend into that top three spots, and again, taking Trent Richardson that high goes to show you what good dynasty drafters, or what what dynasty drafters, not necessarily good ones, but what they're thinking when it comes time to the draft. You have to be prepared, because if you're expecting to get a Trent Richardson maybe at 1.8 or 1.9 from last year, he you didn't get him because he took him at 1.3. Yeah, exactly. I think... Uh... You know, and, and he kind of took some flack for that, if I remember correctly. But um, not know, for me. Again, not for me. <laughs> you were probably upset about that, I think. But um, you know, he he was looking at least that three-year window, probably longer, and um, just placed that value on on age. It was obviously a risk, as as Richardson hadn't played it down at that point yet. But um, you know, a year later. <clears throat> that's about where Richardson uh, would go. He's he's going to go in the top three, top five of of these drafts. So, um, you know, it was it was a risky call, but I think it worked out worked out for that that fellow. Well, last year we did see Trent Richardson and both Doug Martin prove to be absolute beasts in fantasy football and then in the NFL, and they're going to get drafted as such accordingly. But when we look at guys like, for example, when we saw last year. Ryan Matthews. Everybody said, you know what? He's finally getting his chance. He's going to be the the lead horse, the bell cow here. There's no other competition for real carries here. Let's let's let Ryan Matthews. Let's see what he can do. People took him in about the two two. Now I'm looking for somebody to kind of compare to that spot because a Ryan Matthews obviously disappointed a lot of drafters last year. There's nobody really in that area, but if you sneak down into the third round, you start to see that name David Wilson. There's a guy that was drafted very high in Dynasty, and now he's getting his opportunity, and we've never really seen him take a full load, but people are willing to spend a third round, first pick of the third round, pick 25, when you could have guys like Aaron Hernandez, uh, Michael Crabtree, um, or uh, Drew Brees, you know, somebody that you know for a fact is going to get you production, people are willing to take a risk. Talk about that risk and is that something that you would advise players to do in the, in this format, or would you just, or would you advise them to maybe take a, a safer route? Um, well, it is a risk, and, and along with Wilson, other guys that you're seeing going in that uh, third or fourth round range uh, this year that that certainly have have you know bust potential would be Lamar Miller, um, another second year back who. Um, you know, didn't play a, a large role for the Dolphins last year. Uh, it looks like he's going to be the starter in Miami um, with Reggie Bush gone, and, and people are valuing him as, as a late third, early fourth rounder. And then uh, we already mentioned Lacey. There's always a, a risk with, with rookies. Um, to me, the the big risk just comes not only in, in the youth or in the 
uh, age, but with uh, with running backs in general, uh, you know, personally, I I prefer wide receivers. I think they're safer. I think there's less bust bust potential there. Um, so that would be the route I would go is wide receiver heavy uh, in, in in a PPR league. Ryan McDowell is our guest from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Uh, Ryan, it might be a, a a good thing for us to maybe assemble a uh, a mock draft on this format because let's face it. When you're talking about the, the rules of every league create a different type of draft experience. And so when you when you have guys that completely understand the rules and what it takes to win, the drafts turn out drastically different. For example, if we required three running backs uh, in your starting lineup, I bet you would see a lot of running backs going really early, right? Uh, Absolutely, yes. We require two running backs, but we do require three wide receivers every week. And so... I think when we're looking at ADP, we might be a little deceived by this one. So it might be wise for us to all get together, do a mock, and throw one out there for everybody to kind of see how we evaluate things. And then, you know, let the cards be what what they may when it comes time for the real drafts. But it just kind of gives them an idea because I bet you the the wide receivers would go way higher uh, than we see. We have uh, nine, no, I'm sorry, eight running backs in the first round out of the first 12 picks. I bet that wouldn't be that high, although there's some big names there. I bet you we'd see some creep up into the first round, and I bet you that second round would be chock full of wide receivers. Yeah, I agree completely. And uh, what I what I like about our ADP data is it's based on um, leagues similar to our hyperactive leagues that we play in, in that uh, it, the mock starting lineups only require one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end, and then multiple flex players. So an owner can really build their team however they they see fit. If if they prefer running backs, if they prefer veterans, if they like to go wide receive wide receiver heavy, um, they they have that option. But um, no matter what your lineup requirements are, uh, you can still use that ADP data to compare uh, within the position. So um, you know David Wilson, no matter what the format, he's still going to be around the twelfth running back. Marshawn Lynch is still going to be around that nice running back. Uh, now, he may go, like you mentioned, if it's two or three running backs, he may go higher, uh, but he'll still be uh, in that in that same range based on or compared to other running backs. <clears throat> Ryan, another thing that uh, a lot of people uh, will, will encounter uh, in, inevitably in every draft is when people offer future round draft picks. That's something that everybody that, – that may be something that – kind of scares people away from playing dynasty because they feel like they there's a unfair competitive advantage maybe that other people understand that value uh the valuation a little bit more so when it comes to trading away future round draft picks or when people are so you have two scenarios let me put it this way you have people that are asking for your first round picks and then you have people who are trying to give you their first round picks so take both halves of that it's a two-part question what's your general philosophy when people are trying to push their first-round draft picks, and what is your general philosophy when people are trying to get your first-round draft picks for the following year? Well, again, I usually, uh, personally, I usually build a, a young team, and, and honestly, that first year is usually uh, not a strong year uh, for my team looking towards the future. So um, in a startup draft, I am very hesitant to give up that first-round pick. Um and and it would take a lot for me to do that. Um and and I'm always trying to acquire future first round picks. I think um those picks gain value the closer uh, the closer to the draft and um and you also have to look at the individual class. Uh, that strategy a year ago would not have worked out very well. These you know, this this draft is down, it's not full of, of some of the studs like we've seen in the past and um you know, if, if you have loaded up on 2013 draft picks, um, it, it may not pay off for you. 2014 looks like a different story. It looks like a, a strong class. So I would definitely um, advise advise owners to trade for as many of those uh, first-round picks as they can get. But what it really comes down to when you're in the middle of the draft is is placing uh, a value on, on that pick. And in general, I think a, a random future first rounder is is usually worth a, a seventh round pick in a startup draft. A seventh round pick in a startup dynasty draft. So everybody, write that down. Don't forget it. 
pin it to your monitor. So when you're in your draft and somebody's saying, hey, get, oh, here's your first rounder, give me your fifth, uh, make sure you remember that Ryan McDowell said it's about a seventh at the very most. I think we did see a sixth. Uh, you got to be careful. Uh, if some people really want the pick bad enough, they will be willing to take that because they fear they're going to lose that player that completes their squad. Now, one of the philosophies that I like to employ is I like to watch how the first part of the draft unfolds. And so as you start to see those first four rounds, I like to take the teams and I start to I, I like to write down the teams or and, and print them out off the screen or whatever. And I start to evaluate, OK, how do I see just a prediction, just a prediction. How do I see these 12 teams shaking out next year, at the end of this year? Who's going to be the best team? Who's the second best, third best? And I don't care if it's way off or not. It's just my personal evaluation for where they're going to be. Because then, now I have a kind of an idea of what the where their first round draft pick is going to be in the draft. Because if you win the league, you get the 12 pick. If you're the runner-up, you get the 11 pick. If you're the worst team... You get the one pick. That's kind of the format that we that we're going with. A most a lot of dynasty leagues do go with, and so I like to take a look and, and evaluate that in the middle of the draft, and so that way I kind of know who my dancing partners are. I'm going to target the guy who I think has the weakest types of roster going in, and see if he feels the same way. If he says to me, "No, look, I'm building for the future. I know I'm going to be the one pick." Okay, fine. He's kind of like off the radar. He's kind of like off your target. So then you go to the team that's number two. Find out if he feels that same way, or is he trying to win? Because if he's trying to win, now you know that he feels uh, that, that your evaluation is different for, from his because you feel he's the second weakest team. He feels he's trying to win. You could get his pick because he thinks he's going to be a contender. He thinks he's going to have a a seven through twelve pick, whereas you feel like he's going to have a top six pick. So you can offer him more and possibly get that pick a little bit cheaper than what he's what, what he's willing or what he's asking for. Yeah, absolutely. And and a funny story you're reminding me of in the same league that that we keep going back to, Hyperactive Five. Uh, even though I was building for the future, um, I, I felt like I had put together a pretty strong team uh, with our, our startup draft. I had Calvin Johnson, A.J. Green, uh, Hernandez Luck, and and some of these other young guys that that are valued highly. And there was one team, I won't mention who it is, but there was one team, and and I did just like you said, kind of went through, ranked the teams uh, soon after the draft, felt like he probably had the worst team, and actually made him an offer of just trying to swap our first-round picks in 2013. And we went back and forth for a while, never made a deal, and, um, you know, fast-forward a year, my team bombed. I've got the I've got the one one, and he's got a mid mid round first. So I'm I'm glad he uh, he backed off that one, and and it didn't work out, you know, the way I'd hoped. But um, ah, I've I've seen that before, Ryan. I've seen teams just kind of gamble and say, who's got the better team? Ah, let's let's go for it. And let's see what happens. And it's kind of like a bravado thing. It's kind of you know, all right, let's 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 go for it. And it's mano y mano, my first rounder for your first rounder. I've seen that kind of thing happen, and it's kind of. It's kind of interesting to jot that down and, and kind of track that. That's that's a lot of fun. Ryan McDowell is our guest from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. You can follow him at, on Twitter at RyanMC23. Definitely want to do that. Write that down, RyanMC23. I want to go back to the rookie draft because this is another concept that people have to get used to. You obviously don't have one in the startup. You could. We could have built it that way. We chose not to. Our drafts are going to take place after the NFL draft when you know where everybody's going to be, and how it affects the veterans coming in. So we're going to have our startup draft, and then the following year, you're going to keep that team, and you're going to draft rookies on top of it. So I want to take a look back at last year's Hyperactive 2 League, uh, the Hyperside, where the rookies went the following. The 1-1 was Trent Richardson. The 1-2 was Doug Martin. The 1-3 was Andrew Luck. The 1-4 was Robert Griffin. And the 1-5 was Justin Blackman. You can make a case that all five of those guys are very elite players that could dominate the position. Uh, I feel that way about Justin Blackman. I feel like he still has that kind of potential. I know some people may disagree with me. Uh, I have him a lot higher, I think, on my boards than, than, than most. If I go to your boards and I pull up, I go to wide receiver, I pull up Ryan McDowell, I click on the link. Hey, he's right around where you have. You have him at 12. I think I have him at 11. But to each his own. I, I'm not as high on Hakeem Nicks uh, just because of the injuries. 
Now you kind of kind of fell out of love with him. But look, we're real close on this one, Ryan. And Justin Blackman is a guy that was taken at the one five rookie pick. So if you trade away your draft picks and you are one of the bottom six teams, there's a good chance that you just lost out on one of the very elite players coming up in the next year. Now, the one six in that draft was Michael Floyd. He has not done it yet. Still has that potential. It's just a rookie year. Uh, but talk about those first six picks and, and what you see in that value and why you might want to hang on to that pick. Well, again, it's it's all about, um, you know, really uh, focusing on the future. Um, not every class is going to be like last year's was, unfortunately, that, you know, we've got um, a top three running back, actually, you know, I guess two top five running backs by, by most accounts with Richardson and Martin. We've got a top five, two, again, two top five quarterbacks with Luck and Griffin. So, um, you know, that's going to be uh, kind of setting the bar for rookie draft classes. Um, but, again, 2014 looks like a strong one. Um, we've got two wide receivers, Marquise Lee, uh, Sammy Watkins. We've got the, the uh, tight end from Washington. Looks great. Uh your boy Bridgewater most likely coming out. I think he'll be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft next year. Um, wow. So what it's, what it's really about is um, becoming familiar with those college players and, and you know, kind of doing your own version of scouting. You've got you've to know what the possible value of those picks could be. Yeah, this uh, this draft is very interesting because again, one five through was Justin Blackman, one six was Michael Floyd. There's one seven, David Wilson fell a little bit. Uh, Michael Floyd was taken in front of him. One eight was Stephen Hill, the rookie for the New York Jets from last year. One nine was Alshon Jeffrey. Again, a lot of guys that are kind of the sidekicks to very good players. One ten was a guy by the name of Isaiah Pede the Cincinnati running back that went to St. Louis Rams that we haven't seen a lot of, and Daryl Richardson kind of became the, the, the go-to guy there. Uh, 111 was Kendall Wright. We think he still has some tremendous upside. And then 112 rounds out the first round with Ronnie Hillman. So when I look at that draft, Ryan, I kind of feel like, you know what, if I can get a really good player, uh, if somebody, if I'm in the draft, okay, let's go back to the ADP now. Because those bottom six picks, they're not all, I mean, besides David Wilson, I'm not really enamored with any of those guys. So if I'm coming in, if I'm in the draft, I definitely love these fifth-round guys. I've got Darren Sproles, Garcon, Welker, Wallace, Torrey Smith, Russell Wilson. This is a good round. Antonio Brown, uh, Colston. You know, I'm not I'm not a guy that's going to really draft too old here. But look at round six. Macklin, Gordon, Britt, Stevie Johnson. Uh, there's an older pick, Greg Jennings, T.Y. Hilton. I, I'm I'm of the I'm of the the kind of the uh, philosophy that I would rather have those guys before I would want to take a chance on one of those bottom six picks of the first round. Talk to me about that and how you feel when it comes to uh, the bottom six picks of the first round. Um, again, it's, it's a case by case basis, year by year basis. And um, you, what's important when you're going into your rookie drafts is to determine those tiers this year. I think uh, Eddie Lacy looks to be the the pick at, at one point or at one one. Beyond that, I'm not sure there's much difference between um, you know between two and six. And and once once you get past there, maybe seven all the way down to the end of the second round. So it's all about um, determining your tiers, how you value these rookies. Um, but if you're talking about a startup draft, that's where it becomes really interesting is where you take a chance on on a rookie. These players have have never taken a snap in the NFL and now you're valuing them over guys like like you said Marcus Colston or or Steve Smith, you know, veterans that have have uh, proven themselves over and over. Ryan, I want you to talk about the second round picks because these are types of offers that we will see a lot of as well. We can we can all talk about the top 12 picks and say, you know what, don't ever give up a first rounder. I tell you, that's my philosophy. To any new dynasty player jumping in, I'm going to tell you, don't overthink things. Don't reach in the draft. Don't try to go for it now. Let me tell you one solid bit of advice on your dynasty draft sheet. Number one rule, do not trade your number one or your first round rookie pick for next year. Can we both agree that's a golden rule for a new dynasty player? Yes, yeah, definitely. Hang on to that pick. It, like I said, it will go up in value. And, and uh, if you do want to move it for some reason, you'll have plenty of chances later. 
the temptation is going to be huge for redrafters. I guarantee you, you're going to be on the clock. If you've never played Dynasty before, you're going to be on the clock. And what's going to happen is you're going to say, oh, man, if I could get this seventh pick here, an extra seventh pick, Kyle Rudolph, oh, there's nobody I would rather have in the first round and then Kyle Rudolph. And what are the chances? I'm going to go win it now and, and give me Kyle Rudolph right now because he's just an absolute beast. And it's going to make all the logical sense in the world. Right, and and Kyle Rudolph's a nice young player, a nice young stud tight end that I could say, you know, to myself in my mind, man, that makes a lot of sense. But I'm going to tell you, as a as a first year dynasty guy, just don't do it. The only way you should do it is again, if it's a very extremely young guy somehow that has slipped through the cracks. But that's not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. Everybody is ponying up 300 bucks. These guys know what they're doing, so I would just I would just make it a golden rule. Do not trade your first-round pick. It's off-limits. Now, let's move to rule number two. <laughs> what do we do with the second-round pick? Because, Ryan, if there's anybody I know, Ryan McDowell right here, at RyanMC23 on Twitter, there's nobody that gobbles up picks like Ryan McDowell. This guy packages deals like nobody I've ever seen. He will always give you a guy that is – uh, that's a good player, and you say, hey, here's a guy that's really good here. I'm waving. All I want is a guy from your roster that's not quite as good and one of your second-round picks. And you always take a guy that has real high upside, but he's not quite as good as the guy you're given. And you end up gobbling up two picks with that method, and a lot of times the guy that you grabbed was a was a buy low that ends up outperforming the guy that you dealt away. I've seen it happen over and over and over again, and you always do these two-for-one, 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 and you gobble up these picks. So talk about the second-round pick strategy as it pertains to a new guy coming in, what he should expect. Well, I think the, you know, in general, those first-round picks have, you know, just just a great appeal to everyone, and, and I think owners assume that just because a player is a first-round rookie pick that they're going to produce, they're going to have value, and obviously that's not always the case. But players that slip to the to the second round, um, you know, or just don't have that don't have that value. But if you look at the second round of the draft you were mentioning, I feel like almost every one of those players still have you know, a year later solid dynasty value. You know, Lamar Miller was the middle of the second round, Bernard Pierce towards the end. Um, and, and you know, as you go into the third round, uh, even even more. So, basically, the the second and third round picks are devalued um, and, and can be um, you know great trade targets to pick up, like you said, to bridge the gap in a trade. Um, and and owners are often willing to, just to throw them in to get a deal done. Yeah, I want to talk about that second round, Ryan. There are quite a few names that when you're listening to this podcast, you are going to recognize. And I'll post these in the chat uh, on the message board. But guys like Brian Quick, who has an opportunity in St. Louis to, you know, they're going to count, they're going to see what they have there. And they're going to really ask him a lot. Whether he has it or not is still yet to be seen. A guy like Marvin Jones for Cincinnati. Again, a nice sidekick possibility uh, for A.J. Green. There's another Cincinnati wide receiver, Muhammad Sanu, who we've seen a lot from. One of those guys is going to shake out probably as the number two. Kobe Fleener in Indianapolis. Now, a lot of people might say Dwayne Allen looks like the front runner. I think that, that would, they would be right. But you can't really give up on a Kobe Fleener just yet. Again, a second-round pick from last year. I see a guy that you drafted at 2-4, Ryan, LaMichael James. I like to call him LaMichael Dynasty James because when Frank, if something, when something happens to Frank Gore, we've been waiting on this for years, it seems like, the bionic man here, Frank Gore. But once something finally happens to Frank Gore, you've got a guy like Michael James waiting in the wings, and some people might say he's too small, but they've said the same thing about a lot of running backs that were too small. Uh, so there's there's value in these second-round picks. Ryan Broyles, Lamar Miller, Bernard Pierce, Robert Turbin, and the list goes on and on. So second-round picks. Ryan, I'm going to go ahead and write a second rule for new-time dynasty drafters. Do not trade your second-round pick. How's that for a second rule? Uh, that's not bad. I, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't set that in stone. You know, again, if it, it if it's uh, has to be part of the deal for you to get get that player you're targeting, I would be willing. But again, I feel like they're often undervalued and and maybe don't carry the trade value that um, that they should. So, 
be willing, but be careful is what I would say. Be careful is an extremely – because, again, look, our evaluations as 10-year Dynasty veterans are much different than they were when we were a first-year Dynasty veteran. Everything changes for you as a player when you start to look through the realm and the lens of the Dynasty League, and everything will change. And so I would say as a first-year Dynasty player, it's my, it's my shield and my sword. Don't trade my first, don't trade my second, no matter what I think, because the lens that I'm looking through is not the lens that a guy who's been playing Dynasty for 10 years is looking through. I would just say, hang tight, trust the draft. Trust your skills in the draft, hang on to your picks, and let's see what happens. Now again, look, look, I'm not going to kill the fun for you. I want you to have fun, and I want you to, you know, I want you to have some highs and some lows. Those are just two arms of defense that I think uh, that if you're prepared, let's let's talk about the third round, okay? I'm not going to write a rule about the third round, about you trading the third round. Here's my first rule that I will put in. Be willing to trade your third, fourth, fifth, and sixth round picks. These are the picks that I think you should play with uh, late in the draft. Late in the draft, when it's not going to be a huge... Let's talk about the names in the third round from last year. Greg Child, Nick Toon, Chris Polk, Debbie Air Posey, <laughs> uh, Chris Givens, Ladarius Green, Devon Wiley, Terrence Ganaway, T.Y. Hilton, Cyrus Gray. Uh, not much there in the third round. I will say that the fourth round produced Russell Wilson. So there's guys out there. Uh, there's a Bryce Brown there at 4-7. There's a 4-8 Dwayne Allen. So there's guys in the third and fourth round that you can hit, but the, the odds of you hitting on those picks are very slim. Yeah, exactly. The, the hit rate on those third and fourth rounders is just not going to be um, not going to be very good. And, and depending on your uh, roster limitations, uh, I was talking with, with a, a, another guy yesterday and you know, frustrated that I, I drafted T.Y. Hilton in, in two or three leagues in, in the fourth round, but just didn't have the space where I felt like I could hang on to him. Um, the season came around, I had to add a kicker in the defense, and, and he hit the waiver wire. So um, even when you do hit on some of those guys, you, um, you know, you can't, you can't reap the benefits of it. So, um, but unfortunately, most people realize that those third and fourth rounders, uh, in in our format, at least, don't carry that much value. Ryan McDowell is our guest from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Go familiarize yourself with the site, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, the experts when it comes to Dynasty football. Uh, Ryan, we're talking about the Dynasty Football World Championship, the new offering uh, by FFToolbox.com, and uh, the experts from Dynasty League Football are going to be chipping in some excellent contact uh, content exclusively for the players in the Dynasty Football World Championship. Our own Michael Bronte, uh, one of the staff at FF Toolbox, one of the contributing uh, writers, is going to be helping out and, uh, you know, helping out. Uh, we're going to be providing some subscriptions to his Dynasty podcast. So there's going to be a lot of wealth of information here for Dynasty players to kind of soak into and get really their teeth into so that they can be competitive. We don't want to see teams uh, stretch away from the pack, and then you have these teams that uh, lose interest. We want, to, we want to have everybody and keep everybody around for this thing. Let's talk about some of the recent news in the NFL, Ryan, and how it affects the tr the, the dynasty values for uh, players, or maybe not even values, just the opinion. So let's talk about the Raiders. They're nearing a trade for quarterback Matt Flynn. Seattle's been kind of sitting him on the shelf. They love what they saw on Russell Wilson. They took a chance on him, and I was kind of surprised they did. when Once they paid that much money, uh, roughly $20 million contract with Seattle, a little more than 12 months ago, it was a three-year deal. I thought for sure that Carroll was going to play the kid. And then Russell Wilson comes out of nowhere, makes plays. They couldn't keep this kid off the field. Now they're talking about Matt Flynn being a Raider, and they have to get the deal and the contracts right with Carson Palmer, who looks like he's headed to potentially Arizona to help out uh, the crew there. So talk about those two guys and the impact it would have on your dynasty decisions. Uh, sure, this is the perfect topic. I just uh just finished uh, writing my weekly impact events article uh, before before we started here, and, and that should be up tomorrow. And I covered both of those guys. Um, for Carson Palmer, I think if he if he does end up in Arizona, um, I can see him putting up even better stats than last year. You know, he would obviously have a better wide receiver with Fitzgerald. Um, and last year, he uh, Palmer started 
weeks one through fifteen. Got hurt week fifteen uh, or or pulled maybe and and didn't uh, didn't play much that game. But from weeks one through fourteen, he was quarterback twelve. So he was a starting level uh, quarterback in in fantasy leagues, which um, you know most of us probably didn't realize. Um, and I and like I said, I can imagine him being even better with with Fitzgerald and and R- Rob House of the tight end there in that in that new offense. So I think it would be great for Palmer. Um, as far as Flynn and the Raiders go, I, I just uh, that one just does not make sense to me. I know uh, several people I've, I've seen on Twitter have been saying the same thing, and I share their opinion. Um, he does not look like a long-term answer anywhere. I don't, I don't, I don't know if the Raiders see him that way, but that just makes no sense to me. It, it just seems like they need to uh, to draft someone and you know just kind of ride it out this year. They're not going to win this year, uh, so bringing in Flynn, giving up picks for him, if if they do that, just seems like a terrible move. But maybe we shouldn't be surprised by the Raiders. Uh, well, let's talk about the Raiders. They have a very young receiving corps, right? I mean, what do they have on their on their wide receivers, regardless of who the quarterback is, that may have some dynasty value? Denarius Moore, perhaps? Maybe a Rod Streeter? Is there anybody on the roster that maybe is somebody that you would like to stash? Um. Well, to be honest, it's kind of ugly. Uh, of course, Darius Hayward Bay is gone. They cut him. Um, I think he's going to end up with, with some decent value if he lands in, in Detroit or Indianapolis. Um, they're tied in from last year. Myers is gone um, to New York, so who knows what they're going to do at tight end. Uh, Jacoby Ford, you know, flashed some, some great speed, some great ability a couple of years ago, but with, with back-to-back Liz Frank injuries, i, I you know his dynasty value is just shot, and and uh, you know that that foot injury kills his speed. That was his number one attribute, so it, it's hard to see him uh, playing much of a role there. Moore, uh, who I really like, um, struggled towards the end of the season, so you know it's hard to figure out if that was the the quarterback controversy. Some people wanted wanted to give Pryor a shot. He finally got a shot at the end of the season, and and Moore just struggled the last six weeks, so. You know, I don't. I, that's probably a team I would avoid in general. Let's talk about the other side of the equation with Carson Palmer moving on. Let's say for that he moves on to an Arizona, and they get to mentor one of the. I, you know, I, I say they still take that draft pick and they grab a, you know, whatever they can get, whether it be a Geno Smith or a Barkley or maybe a second or a third round quarterback. I think you still need to get that quarterback of the future on your squad. But I think Carson Palmer would be that stopgap guy to kind of hold the fort down and, and make Larry Fitzgerald at least get some use out of this guy. Because, look, Larry Fitzgerald is is going just plummeting in value, not only in redraft, but in dynasty. And what would you see uh, – what would you say about your ranking of Larry Fitzgerald? Uh, he would move a lot more in redraft, obviously, with a Palmer, but what would it do for his dynasty value? Um, for me, I haven't – I wouldn't say I've given up on him. I um I have him, I was counting there, I have him at wide receiver 11. Uh, I can't see moving him up too much uh, beyond that, um, uh, you know, with the, with the uncertainty there at the, at the, uh, at the quarterback position, uh, even if they do bring in Palmer. You know, there's no, no other uh, wide receivers there of note at this point. Um, I do like Michael Floyd, but he, he's, you know, young, raw, you know, who knows what's, what he's going to do the next year or two. Um, so I, I would just, I would think Fitzgerald would just get, uh, you know, double covered every snap, um, and and I would feel good about having him at wide receiver eleven still. All right, Ryan, this has been a great uh, show to help out these guys. Uh, any final words? Uh, talk about again where where people can find you and uh, how, how you can help them out in this uh, this dynasty quest for the crown. Uh, sure, I'm uh, at Twitter at Ryan Mc, Ryan Mick NC two three um, and. Uh, writing uh, just as many articles as I can on DLF, and, and we've got a great team there. Like I said, we're going to have some uh, a lot of draft strategy articles coming up and, and a few already posted, so check us out over there, and uh, and we appreciate it. All right, Ryan, thanks for being here, uh, especially on short notice, and uh, we look forward to uh, all the coverage by DLF and all, all the crew there for the Dynasty Football World Championship. Thanks, bud. All right, thanks, Scott. That was Ryan McDowell. Uh, gang, we've had a, we, it's been a great show. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, 
on short notice, there's Road Warrior. Wait, wait, Ryan forgetting the season Andre Roberts had last year. I, I love messing with Ryan. Uh, they Look, Dynasty League Football, excellent site for all the content you could possibly ask for. I want to jump to the, the story that was brought to us earlier today, the attention by uh, that might interest you in the industry. CBS Fantasy League homepages, uh, man, total redesign. Three days before the baseball season, CBS comes out with a brand-new, user-friendly, modern-looking website to manage your fantasy league. So basically what happened is you signed up for a league, you paid your money, you had your draft, three days before the season starts, bam, brand new website, brand new interface, brand new design, everything that you've practiced for, they've had, they, they put out all their old website, you know, for you to practice and practice, make sure you have it down, now you have a brand new website to check out, so the, uh, the backlash is severe, people are going nuts, everything is, everything is different from the message board uh, how how you interact with the site, the pickups and the drops aren't laid out the same way. People are having problems logging in. They don't. They can't find out where to see the standings. Look, it's a it's a huge change when you change our our interface and what we're used to. Software is a big part of what the entire experience is all about. It's a big part of the success of every fantasy contest. Is the software that you use? How much fun are you having managing the league? putting in for your waivers, drafting the league, everything has to do with the fun factor. And if you change things on a dime like CBS did here, I don't know why they would wait this long. They should have just said, put it on the shelf, wait till next year because you have guys that are ready to go. And they put out a press release and said, hey, it's all modern. It's You're going to love it. We're very excited. You're going to be able to do this whole social experience. People don't care about that. I know you care about that, CBS Sports. The players don't care. They want to continue to just have a good time playing their game. And while you might think it's great, we don't like to be rushed. We don't like to be put on the spot. And especially when we paid some money, we don't like you putting changes into it a couple of days before the draft when we're trying to just get all of our bearings right, make sure we have our lineup in, make sure we have our waivers ready to go. Very bad move, CBS Sports. Jonathan Dube. Dube, D-U-B-E, Google his name, general manager for CBS Fantasy Sports. Shame on you for uh, what you've done there. It's uh, it's not the right move. Okay, that's my rant on CBS Sports for the day. Uh, look, we appreciate everybody being on the show. We appreciate Ryan and the guys from DLF, all the people in the chat room, the crew here. Thank you, Road Warrior. Uh, get paddled. Everybody that was in the chat tonight, we appreciate it. And uh, look, this is going to be a fun contest. If you haven't had a chance to jump in, uh, check out the boards, read the rules, see what you think. If you think it's a fit for you, jump in. We've got about 60 spots left. We sold those 80-some spots at the $299 price point in about seven days. We launched it last Friday afternoon, so it's been a tremendous success. We're ready to draft. We're going to start putting the league assignments out, getting the draft spots rolling, and we'll be ready to draft by the time uh, after the NFL draft is uh, kicked off. Everybody will start their, their trade. So until next week. Uh, you can always check us and keep up with us on fftoolbox.com. We'll be back on Wednesday. Ben Standing with the FF Toolbox podcast. Uh, until then, we'll see you next week. 